to Medicana Talk with Dr. Joe Rosado. This program seeks to educate you on topics having to do with medical cannabis. You'll have a better understanding of the industry, insight, and guidance on how cannabis is a safe and important innovation in medicine today. Now, here is your host, Dr. Joe Rosado. Good afternoon, Voice of America. This is Dr. Joseph Rosado coming to you live from Ormond Beach, Florida on July 10th, 2019. Happy 710 Day for those of you that are listening and for those of you that will be listening later on today. I'd like to welcome my co-host, Mr. Ed Pisani Jr., Ed from beautiful Deltona. Hi, how are you doing, Dr. Rosado? I'm doing amazing. It's a holiday in the cannabis world. Does anyone know what 710 uh, means or commemorates? No, I, I really don't, but I'm kind of interested to hear what it means. All right. If you take the word oil, O-I-L, mm-hmm. and flip it upside down, you will see 710. Cool. Like, I, I never really thought about that. Like, there's a lot of holidays like that where they kind of have a play on the numbers. Um so that's really cool. So, Dr. Rosado, you're a medical cannabis, cannabis expert. Um, how long have you been uh, doing medical cannabis uh, work for? Well, I've been an advocate uh, for over five years. I've been a recommending physician for going on three years. Uh, in the state of Florida, and it's, it's an interesting story if I may share it with you, yeah, I'm kind of uh, interested to hear your story, and uh, tell, so share it with me. Sure. Uh, back in uh, February of 2014, I started seeing an, uh, advertisements on TV by a local attorney, Mr. John Morgan, uh, where he was promoting the uh, decriminalization of cannabis in the state of Florida by way of an amendment, Amendment 2. And once I started seeing the commercials on TV, I sent him an email and asked him how I could get involved. Uh, Within 24 hours, I got a phone call from the campaign manager's secretary uh, who set up an appointment for me to speak with the campaign manager for Amendment 2 in early 2014. And Ben Palera, who was the campaign manager, reached out to me. And for the first 15 minutes, he attempted to talk me out of getting involved simply because he had had experiences in the past from other physicians that wanted to get involved, wanted to participate. But once their colleagues found out or the hospitals that they had privileges in found out, they immediately got the cold shoulder and were told you either stop promoting and advocating this or you will be released from your duties at in the group or in the hospital. And so I told So you're them, like kind of a pioneer <laughs> in, in some capacity. Would that be a capacity. fair term? Yeah, in some capacity that is a very fair term. Um, like I said, I started advocating from February of 2014 up to until present. This year I went to Costa Rica to advocate for cannabis because in the country of Costa Rica it is still illegal to use cannabis in any capacity, uh, whether it's CBD, THC, doesn't matter. And we'll get into a lot of those term, terms here shortly. Mm-hmm. But uh, from, I, I so, guess I, I have a question for you, just because like, I am a 
not too well versed in the cannabis world. What's the difference between like CBD and cannabis and marijuana? Because I hear uh, all those terms when I walk around the street. Could you quickly just share that with me? Sure. That's a great conversation to have. Uh, Let's start with the history, a little bit of uh, botany. You have the mother plant, which the United States Department of Agriculture states is the mother plant, and that is cannabis sativa with the letter L. So cannabis sativa L is the mother plant. From there, you get two two separate species. Species number one Mm -hmm. is the male version, and species number two is the female version. The male version is hemp, and the female version is cannabis, which in the 1930s, had her name changed to marijuana. And we will discuss that portion of the history next week. So if you guys are interested in hearing how cannabis became marijuana and all of the rules and regulations from the 30s to present, tune into next week's show. Well, I'm certainly interested to hear about that. You know, I always find it interesting to learn a little bit more. Uh, I didn't know it was such a natural-based medicine, like, uh, and the fundamentals of it. So go on. You're a pioneer of the cannabis community um, for internal medicine doctors in the state of Florida. Um, do you have any success stories about your your um, recommending this uh, medicine? Well, before I go there, I want to finish answering your question about the difference between CBD from cannabis and CBD and THC. So okay. the male, the male version, the hemp, when oil is extracted from that, you get 99.7% CBD with 0.3% THC. Now, you can also get that is what would be considered a full spectrum. You can get an isolate of CBD, which is just CBD, no THC whatsoever, And then you get what's called a broad spectrum, which is a combination of the full spectrum without the THC. So it's a cross between the full spectrum and the isolate, where it contains a lot of the other cannabinoids and terpenes, but zero THC. THC is what causes the euphoria, and Mm -hmm. CBD is what does not cause euphoria. And so for that reason... That's the difference. So with the Farm Bill having been signed last December of 2018, uh, Donald Trump signed that into law. And by signing that into law, that allowed for CBD to be legal, quote unquote, in all 50 states. However, it's not allowed to be grown in all 50 states. For example, in the state of Florida, we still cannot grow cannabis. so there's processes to be in place, but CBD by itself can come from the hemp and can also come from the cannabis. The one that's sold over the counter comes from hemp. The one that's sold in dispensaries, state-issued dispensaries, comes from cannabis. Well, it sounds like you're definitely an expert on the legal uh, understandings of this uh, this uh, type of a product. So... Um, Go, go on, go on. I'm just uh, thoroughly um, interested in everything you're telling me right now. So from the cannabis, that's where you get the subspecies. So you have the two species, which are hemp 
which are for textiles and cannabis. And then from cannabis, you get subspecies, which a lot of people like to call strains. But okay. in, in, the, in the plant world, strains really do not exist. Strains exist in bacteria and viruses. Those can make strains. In the plant world, you have a family, a genius, a species, and a subspecies. Therefore, the subspecies of cannabis are the sativa, the indicas, the hybrids, and some cannab and, and CBD as well. All of those can be uh, manufactured or extracted from the cannabis plant uh, as you create these different subspecies. And every one of those have a different role and purpose in the management of patients, in the treatment of patients. So to answer your second question as far as any positive stories, the first patient that I recommended medical cannabis to in the state of Florida was a young lady who at the time was 35 years of age, had a stage three brain tumor. Uh, she had That's terrible. That's terrible she, to hear. She had had a portion of her brain already removed when she found me in the spring of 2016. And because at that time, the state law indicated that patients had to establish a 90-day doctor-patient relationship, she and I began a doctor-patient relationship while she was still seeing her neurosurgeon and her neurologist and her hematologist-oncologist and radiation-oncologist and all her specialists waiting for product to be available for her to be able to receive her medication. Once she started the medication in August, late August of 2016, she began the whole process and today she is alive and about a week and a half, two weeks ago, she posted on Facebook how she continues to get good reports from her hematologist, oncologist, all of her brain scans and her PET scans and everything are all in amazing shape. Now, granted, together with the medical cannabis, she's also been uh, doing yoga, meditation. She is very conscientious about what she eats. Um, she's a yoga instructor. She does yoga here in New Smyrna Beach on the, on the ocean. So she's very, very pro-health. However, you know, the fact that she has made it this long is a miracle in and of itself. Yeah, that sounds like a miracle because I, I was thinking um, this uh, young lady sounded uh, like she had a terminal condition. Uh, it, it, do you have a lot of people that you uh, currently recommend medical cannabis to that are, are terminal condition or is it a lot of uh, pain relief? Uh, uh, because I think there's a kind of a stereotype that um, – Medical cannabis is a very, very dangerous uh, medicine, and uh, I, I just want to get your opinion on that. Is that the case? Well, right now in the state of Florida, I am not recommending medical cannabis to patients. I am overseeing their care. I am the medical director at uh, Coastal Wellness Centers in Ormond Beach, Florida. Uh, phone number is 386-302-4842. That's 386-302-4842. And being the medical director, I do more of the overseeing of the physicians that are managing and treating the patients. And I am also following up with the patients to see how they're doing and if they have any additional questions. 
uh, primarily because of the publishing of my book that came out April 20th, Hope and Healing, The Case for Cannabis, as well as speaking engagements throughout the United States and the world. I'm spending a lot of time doing traveling and coaching physicians abroad. So, so not- you must have a, a fairly strong consulting uh, business that you're building up for like physicians to reach out to you from around the nation and possibly even internationally to have you uh, to speak with them, uh, talk with them, help them not break the law and understand their compliance for their states. Is exactly. That, to say? that is completely fair to say, not only in the United States, but also uh, in Mexico, Argentina, Spain, um, Costa Rica, which is illegal. So there I refrain from giving a lot of recommendations. Um, Thailand, where they just became medically legal December of 2018. In fact, December 25th on Christmas Day, um, Thailand became legal for medical cannabis. So I have physicians that I work with in all of those regions, and as well as uh, patients that have questions about what they're using and, and, and being treated with. I don't treat them as patients because I'm not licensed in those jurisdictions. However, I am able to, through their physicians, help the patients be able to obtain the medication that they need. So um, that's, that's smart. Like, uh, I, I know you worked with a group called Canamoms. Is that a good example of uh, lectures to potential educate uh, patients and their families? Yes. Um, when I was being a recommending physician, the the majority of the children of the Canada moms and dads, uh, I was their recommending physician. And I managed a lot of children that had uh, multiple seizures throughout the day, conditions like Dravet's or Lennox-Gastaut. These are children that have anywhere between uh, two and 300 seizures a day. That's so unbelievable. I- I'm, I'm a parent, and I, I believe you are too. And I, I can't even uh, imagine the... Uh the stress and pressure that puts on a parent to know that a child's having that many seizures. I mean, one oh, seizure yeah. is, is incredible to deal with. 300 is off the, off the scale. Yeah, special needs parents are my heroes because the amount of time, effort, energy, and work that these children take, and many times these parents have a special needs child, but they also have you know, children that are not special needs, and they have to be able to balance, you know, the attention of their special needs with the attention of their non-special needs children. It's it's more than a full-time job. But to go back to the question, so I do work with the Canada moms in educating uh, parents that are just getting into this and are fearful about how to manage their children and how to treat them and, you know, common side effects, how to wean their children off of the opiates, I'm sorry, not uh, not off the opiates, how to wean the children off of the anti-epileptic drugs. I'm thinking about the other question you asked me regarding pain patients. And Mm -hmm. in our office, um, one side of the office is a pain and neurology center and the other half is the wellness center. And we work diligently to wean patients off of the opiates because of the severe opiate crisis that is going on in the United States, but specifically in the state of Florida. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. So I'm guessing there's a, probably a lot of parents with very uh, grievously ill kids and potential people out in uh, in the world and the nation that are celebrating 710 
very, very excitedly. Um, so that's it's really cool that uh, it, it's such a special day to kick this off and to have these conversations. Um, so how long have you been practicing internal medicine for? Oh. I graduated uh, medical school in the Dominican Republic in 2001. Now, uh, before anyone asked the question, well, why did you go to medical school outside of the United States? And that's because medicine was my sixth career. Really? Yes, it was. <laughs> um, I, I started out at the age of 16. Well, at 15, I took a nurse's aid course in high school in my sophomore year. And when I turned 16, I worked as a uh, as an orderly, a certified nurse's aide in a nursing home in Central Florida. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, I went to work as an orderly, transportation orderly at a local hospital in Central Florida. And that's how I put myself through high school. And then in when I turned 18, I went to EMT school and became an EMT. Then I went on and became a paramedic. So I was an EMT paramedic, after which I became a heart cath lab technician, uh, doing heart catheterizations and assisting cardiologists with uh, these procedures, after which I went to chiropractic school. And then after chiropractic school, I went to medical school. So, so pretty much you're an outlier in this industry because you really understand how well the human body works from all these different experiences and how uh, cannabis can actually help the human body um, because of your, your past experience. I, I mean, it sounds like uh, over the course of time, like the writing was on the wall that you would be a pioneer in this industry because you, you, you spent so much time uh, preparing for this type of an opportunity. Well, I started from the ground up, and, and that, that has been an advantage to me because regardless of the role or position that I'm in, for example, now as a physician, you know, I've been in situations where no one in the room was able to start an IV and you know, an intravenous line to administer medication. And when I used to work at an, in an urgent care, I would be the one starting the IV lines or when I worked as a prison physician, I would draw blood, you know, many times when the nurses uh, that were working with me were unable to do so. So it's given me a broad understanding of medicine at all of its facets, and it allows me to be understanding and conscientious of the people I work with, but also, you know, priority one, which are the patients. Yeah, and that's really important because knowing how to safely um, use any type of medicine is critical. I, and, it, and I think that will probably make families feel better knowing that there is an expert that they can uh, reach out and talk to and someone that's directing other physicians how to actually uh, use cannabis safely and Im implement it in their, um, in their like practices. Right, because a lot of people think, oh, well, it's, it's, it's marijuana. It, you know, what do you need a doctor for this? People have been using this for years. Well, true, people have been using cannabis for years. The earliest uh, recollection or the earliest records demonstrate that there was the use of cannabis in 3000 BC in China, which is where cannabis originates. It it's, was found in Asia. And so, you know, hmm. uh, 3000... That's cool. I never knew that. I, I actually thought it was a North American uh, 
um, a plant. I didn't know it actually came from the Far East. Yes, it comes from Asia. So the earliest recollection or data is from 3000 BC. So it's been used for years. And in the mid 1800s, it was part of the pharmacopoeia in the United States where physicians were using this medicine in their medications. And uh, we're getting close to our first commercial break. So stay tuned because you're getting ready to hear what occurred from the mid 1800s on as to, you know, what happened with cannabis and why it stopped being part of the pharmacopoeia in the United States. And don't forget, happy 710 today. It's a great day today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Dr. Joseph Rosado was the first medical professional to recommend medical cannabis treatment in the greater Central Florida region. He has since become a sought-after medical cannabis expert in Florida and abroad. Learn his story and find out more about Dr. Rosado's book, Hope and Healing, The Case for Cannabis. Available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo, as well as through the website josephrosadomd.com. You can also schedule an individual or group consulting session with Dr. Rosado. That's josephrosadomd.com. There are many people who claim to be dog experts, yet they don't really provide a connection between dog owners and their best friend. This is where the BS stops. Listen for Taming the Wild and Your Dog with expert author and nationally recognized dog trainer Brian Bailey. Each show has experts, professional trainers, and veterinarians to give you the right answers. Listen for the safety and well-being of your dog. Listen every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Medicana Talk. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or you can send an email to info at josephrosadomd.com. 
Now, back to Medicana Talk. All right. Welcome back. All right. Happy 710 for those of you that are just joining us after the break. This is Dr. Joseph Rosado, primary care physician in Ormond Beach, Florida, with Ed Pisani Jr., president, founder, CEO of I4 Advertising in Deltona, Florida. That's right. That's right. So, Dr. Rosado, I'm really kind of interested in reference to the book you wrote, Hope and Healing, uh, The Case for Cannabis. Um, y- you were talking a little bit about uh, Pharmacana. Uh, at our last breaking point, uh, how does that tie in to uh, what made you want to write this book? Well, as I was saying, in the pharmacopoeia back in the mid-1800s, cannabis was part of the scheme of medications that were used to treat patients in the United States. And then, as I mentioned earlier, changes occurred in the late 1930s, which will elaborate a lot more uh, deeply and further next week when we talk about the actual history of, of cannabis and the yeah. conversion of cannabis to marijuana. But the purpose of the book was to educate the, the, the public, not only patients and family members of patients and caretakers, but also healthcare professionals. Because for years, the government and the churches and our families have in instructed us and inculcated in us that marijuana cannabis was the devil's weed so much so that they created a movie called reefer madness and they scared the the world to the point that it's taboo and so the purpose of the book was to use it as a form of education and to support those people that are wanting to utilize it for medicine but have been afraid to do so so, like, uh, because of, like, the Reefer Badness movie, which i actually never seen. I've seen a lot of movies in my day. I just don't think I ever um, wanted to pick that one up. Um, how did that affect you? Because I have a lot of friends that are EMTs. Um, and uh, it was, did you get a lot of, uh, um, in your background as an EMT, did you get a lot of, like, things from the upper brass about cannabis at the time? Not really. When I was a paramedic, an EMT paramedic on the street working in, in Central Florida, um, it was towards the it was middle to late 80s. And that's when crack cocaine was huge uh, in the streets. And so we were dealing with a lot of crack cocaine overdoses. And at that time, because it was so new, we were uncertain and unsure as to how to treat these patients. And in, I recall in one 24-hour time period, we had, you know, run up across four different crack cocaine overdoses. Hmm. And of those four, three of those individuals died. And that created a, a sense of urgency with the medical directors in the counties that I had licensed to practice, which was Seminole in Orange Counties, they had to create protocols and programs to be able to address this crisis that was going on in the streets of Orlando. And it begs the question because, you know, I'm not uh, EMT per uh, paramedic. I, I kind of just uh, glean all the uh, fun conversations and stories I have that my friends sort of feed me. But, like, have you ever heard of anyone ever ODing on cannabis? Like, is that even possible? Like, 
That, that is an amazingly good question because we hear that daily in our practice because patients come in and they say, you know, I want to use this for my pain or for my epilepsy or for my post-traumatic stress disorder or for my Crohn's disease or my cancer or my AIDS or etc. However, I don't want to feel high. And many times parents will ask, well, is my child going to get addicted to this? Because, you know, again, it's a quote unquote drug. And mm -hmm. there's a 99% chance that someone will become addicted if they use an opiate or narcotic say hydrocodone, oxycodone, any of anything, any of those codos, hydromorphone, any of those, you mm -hmm. have a 99, you have a 90 plus percent chance of becoming addicted to one of those. You have a zero percent chance of becoming addicted to cannabis because cannabis is not physiologically dependent, meaning your body doesn't crave it. You don't create a tolerance to it. So whether you smoke one cannabis cigarette or 20, the effect is the same. Contrary to an opiate or cocaine, where you need more to obtain the same effect. It's not the same with cannabis. With cannabis, some people develop a psychological dependence, meaning that they believe they need it. And because they need it psychologically, it creates a dependence. And I gotcha. People, so that, that's the difference. It's... You know, some people say it's semantics, but it's really not. It's based on physiology versus psychology. So the probability of someone overdosing on cannabis is minimal to none because the receptors where cannabis works on mm -hmm. are not found in the brainstem. And that's the area where you have the respiratory center and the heart center, which is where the opiate receptors are found. And that's why if someone overdoses on heroin or on a prescription opiate, they can stop breathing and can die as a result of it because of the receptors that are found in the brainstem, which is very close to where the breathing centers are and where the heart centers are. That, that's interesting. So like I kind of uh, like in my, my simple way of looking at things, it's like uh, poppy seeds on a poppy seed bagel. If you have a poppy seed bagel, it's not really going to do you any harm. Um, I, I remember when I was a kid, people used to say, don't have a poppy seed bagel because it has an opiate in the poppy seed. But um, I learned on later that you have to have like tens of thousands of poppy seeds to have any anything along the line of what you're talking about all at one time. So like uh, it, it's it this seems like it's it's very healthy it's very good for you. Uh, so I guess the question I have because like you know I love asking questions is like what made you interested in beginning to like just to research this um, item uh, of the the cannabis and like I I know marijuana is a, a taboo word but like medically speaking what what got you interested I mean. Well, when I was in medical school in the Dominican Republic, um, in the pharmacology class, we were learning about different medications and different receptors and how medications worked in the different receptors to get the, um, the, the required effect uh, on the patients. And uh, in the process, we discussed the use of cannabis as medicine, briefly, ever so briefly, um, but it was discussed. And so I went to the pharmacology book, which is, you know, the authors are Goodman and Gilman. Mm -hmm. And that's where I read where cannabis was 
psychologically create a psychological dependence, but not physiological dependence. And so I became an advocate for the use of cannabis for medical purposes. Fast forward to 2010, uh, one of my very good friends who practices chiropractic medicine in Arizona reached out to me because at that time, cannabis became medically legal in Arizona. And the law there stated that you needed to have a physician be the medical director of the dispensary. And so he and I began having a conversation about me going to Arizona, Mm -hmm. uh, which is where my twin daughters had been born and I had practiced chiropractic there for years. Um, But he invited me to go there. He had some property to be able to grow the cannabis. I was going to oversee the dispensary that he and I were going to open together. And I was going to see patients out of his chiropractic office. It was all set and we were ready to move on that. But at that time, his son, who's about a week older than my twin daughters, um, they were teenagers. You know, they were born in 96. So uh, 2010, they were 14 years of age. And she didn't feel comfortable in us moving into the cannabis space when she and I were teaching our kids to abstain from the use of drugs. And so she's like, wait a minute, I don't feel comfortable telling our son don't use drugs. And here we are having a cannabis, you know, practice. And I reached out to her and I explained to her that, you know, it it wasn't Joe selling, you know, weed on the corner. It was Dr. Mm -hmm. Rosado making recommendations, but she didn't feel that it was appropriate. And so we tabled that. And as I stated, you know, the first half of the show, uh, in 2014, early 14, when the movement began in the state of Florida, I decided to do that in the state of Florida. And that's where, you know, so it began in the early 2000s or late 90s when I was in medical school. And mm-hmm. then it came to fruition in August of 2016, which is when I was finally able to make a recommendation for cannabis for the first patient, which we described the, the young lady in uh, the 35 year old lady with the, uh, the head tumor. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it, it sounds like uh, some of the stigma that everyone deals with in an everyday, you also have a personal experience dealing with as well, like, um, and overcoming it, it took a little time, but you, you overcame that. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to share your website, uh, because I know there's probably some people listening in that are saying like, I really wish I could learn a little bit more about Dr. Rosado. Um, it's your name, Joseph Rosado, MD at, uh, the dot com. So it's Joseph Rosado, MD.com. And that's a place where some of the listeners can actually just, uh, go and visit your site, um, hear more about your story, learn about the book, how they can buy the book, uh, because I, I know that stigma, um, it, it goes around in everything in life. I mean, it's just, it, if it's not a stigma for one thing, it's uh, that mental um, point where you just have to get over it and say, hey, this is good for people. This is not a bad thing. Um, so, like, I have a question for you. Uh, where are you originally from? Because I'm from Florida, and I know a Florida accent. You got a little southern drawl. Um, you have a very crisp sounding voice. Well, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. No, I am not originally <laughs> from. I am not originally from the state of Florida. I am originally from the great state of New York, 
uh, ah. specifically from New York City. I was uh, born in Manhattan and okay. raised in the South Bronx. Uh, nice, nice. And uh, I went to Cardinal Hayes High School. I, well, I went to Sacred Heart High School. Then I went to St. Margaret Mary School, elementary school, and then uh, Cardinal Hayes High School. So I think I said that wrong. I went to Sacred Heart <laughs> Elementary School, Sacred Heart Elementary School, St. Margaret Mary Elementary School, and then Cardinal Hayes High School, which the claim to, you know, one of our claims to fame is that Regis Philbin graduated from Cardinal Hayes High School as well. So nice. There you go. I, that's there a you little go. bit of a interesting uh, name drop. Like I, I would have never put one on one together, but I know New York. Uh, city is such a large uh, city. There's so many people that are there. Uh, so, like, what brought you to Florida? Like, I, I know you went to school in the Dominican Republic, but, but how did you decide, like, Central Florida is a place for me? Was it, like, the blizzards of uh, New York City that were like, I'm done? Because that's what brought me down to Florida. I had one too many blizzards in Rhode Island. And what, what was your reason for coming here? I was 15 years old and my parents moved to Florida. I had no choice in the matter. <laughs> so you were like, all right, I'm going to follow you, mom and dad. I, I like uh, having a roof over my head. That's uh, That makes sense uh, for sure. Exactly. And, and, and so I stayed here. I finished high school here um, and I did some college uh, here. And then in the, in the late 80s was when I went to um, Georgia for chiropractic mm -hmm. school. Then I went to Ohio, practiced in Ohio for two years, then moved to Arizona, practiced in Arizona for three. And then in 1997, went to uh, medical school in the Dominican Republic, finished medical school in 2001, stayed on and worked as a hotel physician in the Dominican Republic. And then 9-11 uh, occurred, and so tourism dropped. And so mm -hmm. I returned to the United States, went and uh, worked in the state of Utah, came back to the state of Florida where I was involved in a clinical research, clinical trial and in Puerto Rico uh, for diabetic patients, uh, mm -hmm. after which I moved to Costa Rica and I lived and worked in Costa Rica uh, as a one of the team physicians for the Institute of Sports and Recreation for the Costa Rican junior, senior, and Olympic teams, as well as the Special Olympics teams. Uh, then I went to Puerto Rico, uh, did an internship, did my training there as well, got uh, my medical license again in the U.S. territories, and then moved to the state of Florida in 2009. So you're, you, d you definitely had a chance to travel. Um, I always get a kick out of it when I have a chance to chat with people, different places they've been and uh, what they kind of uh, experience in their life. Um, I, I guess tying it to cannabis, uh, one of the questions that come to my mind is like traveling with cannabis. Um, how, 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 if someone had a question, would they be able to reach you and like ask you about that? Well, they can go to um, our, our website, uh, um, josephrosadomd.com or uh, in my email address info at josephrosadomd.com but to uh, get in a response on being able to travel with cannabis they, all they have to do is go to the TSA website and as of, mm -hmm. as of about a month ago uh, 
TSA has written that people can travel with their medical cannabis as long as it's hemp derived, meaning that it is CBD, uh, has no THC, according to TSA, patients are able to travel with their hemp-based cannabis medicine. Now, yeah. if you're flying That's out of if you're flying out of Los Angeles, LAX, um, you can fly out with up to one ounce of flour and all of the edibles that you want to travel from the from California. So, for example, when I was in California uh, late last year, I went through. Um, I went to one of the recreational dispensaries and purchased some gummies and some cookies. Mm -hmm. And um, once I got to the LAX, everything was sealed. It was all in my carry-on. They opened my bags, found the edibles. Everything was sealed. I had receipts. They searched, you know, reviewed everything, and I went through the TSA line without any issues. Huh. It, it kind of, it kind of brings uh, something to mind. Um, I, I have a lot of friends in the gun community and this sounds like the similar um, stuff they have to do. If they say, I'm going to transport across state lines with my handgun, um, what they rules they have to follow and how they have to have it sealed and what they can do, what they can't do, how they have to tell people ahead of time getting to the airport, like, Hey, I'm walking in with this. It sounds like cannabis is the same way. Now, do people that have medical cannabis need to be like, uh, with a license, like, uh, or is it just like, Hey, I can just get some tomorrow. Um, how does that work? Is it, is it a wild west right now or is there some no. sort of control? No, it, it's, it's very regimented, very regulated and very controlled. Um, every one of the legal states, which there are 33 legal states in the United States for medical cannabis, the district of Columbia, uh, as well as the two U.S. territories, Puerto Rico and Guam. Mm-hmm. All of those are medically legal st- uh, states and territories. Um, and the patients have to be registered with their respective Department of Health. And once registered with the Department of Health, they then receive a card in the state of Florida. It's called the Office of Medical Marijuana Use. They use that card, and that card identified them to be able to go into a medical dispensary and purchase their medication. There are certain states in the United States that offer reciprocity. So if you're a resident of Florida and you go to Puerto Rico and you take your Florida medical cannabis card, you can purchase medication in Puerto Rico. Or if you go to Pennsylvania or you go to Nevada, they will acknowledge your medical cannabis card. Uh, we have a lot of snowbirds in our office, and so those patients that reside in Michigan, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, in during the summertime and in Florida during the wintertime, uh, they are able to purchase their medications in certain states in the Northeast and Midwest. Gotcha. So, so with the card, they're not doing anything illegal because they have the card and they're showing like, look, I have the proof. I have the doctor that certified me that I, I should have this as a, as 
uh, one of my medical solutions for whatever case, say if they have autism or epilepsy or seizures or whatever, um, it, it's like illegal when you don't have the card. You just sort of like wanted to go on the street corner. You can't just walk into a dispensary and be like, hey, I want to whatever. You have to have that card. Correct. Without that card, they won't even they won't let you into some of the dispensaries in the state of Florida as well as other states. So you must get certified by a physician. And once you're certified by the physician and you meet the qualifying conditions, uh, which we will be discussing, you know, in next week's show, as far as the history and what qualifying conditions are and who is eligible to get cannabis, who is not eligible to get cannabis and the steps to be able to obtain that, we will be elaborating and, and touching on all of that um, during next week's show. But Well, that, that's uh, cool because, like, you know, um, knowing what's illegal and what's legal is important. Uh, I'm kind of figuring you're, you probably will bringing, be bringing on some guests in the future and future episodes. Um, do you have any teasers for next week's show by chance? Uh, I haven't spoken with her yet, but I'm – I'm 99% certain that she's not going to say no to her medical director. Um, I am the medical director for the Minorities for Medical Marijuana in the United States. Wow. Um, it's, it's based out of Florida. And the mm-hmm. president and founder, Miss um, uh, Ros, Rosalind McCarthy, um, I am going to be communicating with her and seeing about the possibility of having her on the show live discussing the role of uh, minorities in the cannabis space and not only, you know, African Americans or Hispanic Americans, but, you know, females, etc. the gotcha. LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ uh, community, etc., and how there needs to be diversification within the cannabis space. So we will be, you know, Touching on that, touching on how um, minorities have been victims of the use of cannabis in the mm-hmm. black market and how many lives have been ruined in their in- inability to be able to obtain a job or be able to vote because they are considered felons. We'll be touching at all of those points uh, during next week's show. That That's cool because, you know, there's a I have a lot of friends that are um, of all different backgrounds. Like uh, I'm just one of those kind of easygoing Italian guys that uh, is friendly with everyone that walks uh, up to me. Um, so I-, I can't wait to hear about it. I know a lot of people in my office are from the LGBTQ uh, community. I never could get the letters right. My apologies. Uh, and I-, I know that they would be interested in it as well. Um, I-, I know we're, we're, we're definitely covering a lot of ground. Um, and historically speaking, uh, since cannabis has been around since China, I always thought it was North America. For some reason, I had a vision of a Native American growing uh, the plant, not actually uh, a Chinese uh, individual uh, growing the plant. Uh, historically speaking, because it is 710, uh, do you have any uh, like really cool bits of uh, expert trivia you could throw out? Well, there's always some trivia, but <laughs> I, I threw the trivia out at the beginning where 710 came from, which is the, you know, the word oil turned, you know, upside down, therefore upside down and backward. So today is the day that commemorates the use of concentrates. So concentrates in the form of oils, the extracted oils from the cannabis plant, um, 
can be vaporized, can be used uh, topically, can be used uh, in cosmetics. So there's different uses for for concentrates, not only in the oil form, but also in the wax form or the rosin form mm -hmm. uh, or dabbing. Um, so there's different modes of administration, and we'll discuss that uh, in future shows when we're discussing specific medical conditions and how to treat medical conditions with cannabis and the different modes of administration that work best for the different conditions. So That's cool. We, yeah, so that, that's helpful because I know if I had a condition, I would want to have an idea of like, okay, I have cancer. How how is it? What's the best way to handle this? Or I have like a, a asthma that's very very bad, or I have epilepsy, um, or if I'm a parent of a child with autism or something, how that possibly could be used correctly? Uh, because in some cases, you know, it's the family members that are really making sure their kids or their elderly uh, family members are taking the medications they need to take. Well, eight days ago, an article uh, was published on leafly.com, L-E-A-F-L-Y.com. Mm -hmm. uh, I was interviewed on the use of cannabis and patients on chemotherapy. Um, so in there, I, I, you know, it was a three-page article that explained how I recommend patients use cannabis that are going through chemotherapy that have cancer. Uh, so if any of the listeners want to um, get access to that uh, article, it's either on leafly.com's website or I believe it's on our website. Is that correct, Ed? I believe it is, yes. It would be under the links uh, section of the website and they can go in and, and click on it and read the article. So I know I'm posting a lot of articles all the time and in the news section and the link section uh, just for people to sort of see what's going on the latest and greatest in the life of Dr. Joseph Rosado. And so we've got one minute left. So uh, this last minute, we want to thank everyone for joining us during our first show of the season. And for more information, contact us at josephrosadomd.com. That's josephrosadomd.com. The last name is spelled R-O-S as in Sam, A-D as in David O. And the phone number, Ed? If you're old school like me, because I always use the phone, it's 866-763-7991. I'm going to say that again, 866 866- 763-7991. If you're old school and you like talking to people over the phone, uh, you can go there. If you're like a, one of those new, new uh, tech uh, whiz type people, I know the webs and the text messaging and the messengers are the other way to go. Uh, Dr. Rosado, man, it's been great talking with you today about cannabis. I, I can't wait for uh, future episodes. I, I really look forward to hearing the history of this and uh, how people can use it legally. Perfect. We'll be touching all of that next week. All right. Have a great day. Be safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Medicana Talk. Please join Dr. Joe Rosado for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you'd like to learn more about medical cannabis, we invite you to go to Amazon.com to purchase Dr. Rosado's book, Hope and Healing, The Case for Cannabis. Have a great week.